Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing a movie chosen by Sammy. And That's right. I, and I think there were ulterior motives. So, Sammy, tell us what you picked and why. So, um, you know, as we were looking at our um, kind of our, our, our choices, you know, we had a few things in mind and then quarantine hit. And so we had to kind of shift some things. And I thought, you know, since right now we don't have a baseball season, this will be a great time for a baseball movie. And what's better than The Sandlot? 1993's classic piece of pop culture that we all know and maybe love. <laughs> I think an ulterior motive is reflected by the hat that Sammy's wearing again. There's a lot of Yankee love in this movie. Just a bit. The great Bambino. <laughs> Sultan of Swat, yeah, it, it kind of bothered me. It was a little painful as a Red Sox fan. Because I, I looked at the kids' hats and I saw like Angels hats and I think there was a Pirates hat. I didn't see a Sox hat anywhere. It was kind of kind of telling. There was yeah, not. Bothered so. me. Didn't like that. <laughs> but this is a beloved movie. And so wh- whether we all like it or not, I think it's it's definitely worth a review. Yeah, this movie is a is a modern classic of cinema. It takes place in 1962 in uh, Los Angeles in the Valley, as they say. And you have you know, these kids going on the adventures in their beloved uh, ball field, the Sandlot. And it's just a ton of fun. Well, before we get into really reviewing this thing, which I think we're going to have a lot of fun with, um, we need to do another fun section, keeping it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, Sammy, you have the privilege of going first. So in 100 seconds, tell us something that we need to go on a quest for. All right, and I'm starting time now. So I'll start out with just this first. Face front, true believers. Now, if you know to whom that impression relates to, okay, somewhat impression, uh, then you know I'm referring to the late, great Stanley. More specifically, the book A Marvelous Life, The Amazing Story of Stanley by Danny Fingeroth. Now, as my co-hosts and you as listeners know, we joke about my affinity for DC Comics, but I can fully admit Probably half of my nerdy DNA finds its parentage in Stan Lee. So, um, you know, finger off in this book is just perfect for this. You know, who better to talk about Stan than another former Marvel editor and friend? Um, you know, I love that he, he does share multiple sides of the story. You know, Stan's telling mm-hmm. a story can often change depending on when you ask him. Um, so it really gives you a good idea about, you know, what becomes the Marvel age and even leading up to Stan's last days. So it's a good read. If you are a Marvel fan, a comics historian, or just somebody who loves this, this era of time, uh, I would definitely check it out. And just remember, Excelsior! <laughs> and that's my movie to 100. <laughs> well, as a proud member of the Mary Marvel Marching Society myself, um, I, have, I have read this book as well. And I, and I do think you're right. I, I especially when you see that Fingeroth is the right guy to write this. There yeah. is a clear fondness for Stan Lee as he writes the thing, but he's very fair. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of the battles between like him and Kirby and Ditko and yep. 
I mean, how Stan Lee treated some of the other creators in terms of you know, rights of ownership and credit. I mean, he's very fair about that. Well, you know, and he even refers to Stan as the company man. Yeah. You know, Stan was there to protect the company. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad Fingeroth showed that side of things, too, because I read Excelsior, which was Stan's memoir years ago that I read. And, um, you know, that's Stan pretty much writing his side of things. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, Dwayne, you're next. Are you ready, man? I am ready. I've got my timer here, and I will a documentary. I know as a lot of people are in during this quarantine, um, you know, Prime Video, Netflix, uh, Hulu, all these great streaming services um, have a, a tremendous amount of documentaries. Now, I myself as well as Jamie, we are essential, quote-unquote, employees, so we don't get as much time to intake these documentaries. But I've stumbled across one that I absolutely loved, uh, and I love the content. Tesla, uh, a documentary on Prime Video uh, about Nikola Tesla and his war with Edison at Westinghouse, uh, bringing electricity to America, the uh, invention of the alternating current, um, how he was vilified, uh, you know, uh, running the ground for broke, and the struggle of his name, you know, that had been ground and, and hidden away through history, but is starting to make a big comeback, you know, with the Tesla motor vehicles. And all of the wireless, uh, you know, charging features that uh, his technology brings, and harnessing the 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 wattage instead of the the amplitude, you know, in in the current there. Uh, this is uh, directed by Ganja Glosovac, a sure. uh, a uh, person from Czechoslovakia. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's what I <laughs> Tesla fight me on Prime Video. Check it out. All right. Oh, Interesting. Very nice. Although I fell down a deep Tesla hole a few years back. I'm not sure there's any facts okay. about Tesla I could learn at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, you can really get into him. Uh, you can really get into him. I, I, I kind of discovered Tesla in the late 80s with the band Tesla. You know, that's where they took their name. And uh, in a lot of their albums, they would reference him and different things. And they had uh, the famous album, uh, one of their best, Psychotic Supper. And it was a reference to Tesla, you know, and he always would set places for 13 people, no matter who he was dining with. And uh, as he would have, uh, you know, Mark Twain remained a friend and there was a mysterious person, a number three that he would uh, com communicate with. Um, really neat little uh, history of that band there. But that's that's kind of what turned me on to his history. And when I stumbled across this documentary, I just could not resist. And, you know, you were talking about how Tesla has, you know, become part of, of culture now before where we didn't really know much about him. Even season 12 of Doctor Who had Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, which brought Nikola Tesla meeting uh, Jodie Whittaker's doctor. Oh, nice. So, so even, you know, making that connection in other ways. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and kind well, of a I, side note on Keeping It 100 here, if you look at the movie The Prestige. That's uh, what I was getting ready to say. That's, yeah, what, that's where I discovered it. It got really interesting. That's where you you have a little interaction there with Tesla and the uh, magic world. And uh, you also have, you know, Wolverine and... Uh, <laughs> and uh, You don't get an extra Al Keeping It 100. <laughs> <laughs> 
things, but not that. But one. we are accidentally on a theme tonight, so I'm gonna gonna go ahead and do mine, and I'm gonna keep rolling with the history story. So you've done Stan Lee, and you've done Tesla, and I'm gonna do a podcast called Our Fake History, and it's one of my favorite podcasts. I'm always excited when it pops up. It's bi-weekly, and so I'm gonna read you its little um, description on uh, from Apple Podcasts. It says it's a podcast about myths we think are history and history that might be hidden in myths. Awesome stories that really maybe happened. Um, the host is a guy named Sebastian Major. Um, by the way, one of the greatest names in the world, Sebastian Major. It's awesome. Um, he's got a great personality. He's got a really engaging style, um, which is really hard. He's a solo host. He has no co-hosts. Solo podcasting is intimidating, uh, to me anyway. Um, there are over 100 episodes. There's a big backlog. So I'm going to give you some examples just to pique your interest. Uh, was Queen Elizabeth really a man? Who was the real Braveheart? How do you explain Joan of Arc? Did Ty Cobb kill a guy? Did Archimedes build a death ray? And then here's some of the characters he gets into, uh, different different angles. Robin Hood, Cleopatra, the Pied Piper, King Arthur, the moon landings, pyramids, secret societies, and there's even a Santa Claus episode. Our fake history. One of my favorite podcasts. Highly recommended, and that is my keeping it 100. And I'm sold. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds pretty good. Well, I threw the the Ty Cobb killer on there for you, Sammy. So, well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And this is a perfect time, perfect era to talk about the moon landing. So, even though it was still a few years later, so. <laughs> All right, well, let's transition to the, back to the Sandlot, and it's time for our opening thoughts and grades. Dwayne, you, uh, you were being cryptic earlier. I'm a little nervous. Why don't you tell us what your grade is? Well, I'm going to uh, lay out some things here. If you would have asked me last week... Well, that's not promising. <laughs> if, if you would have asked me last week, Dwayne, had you seen the Sandlot, I would have said yes. And I would have believed it with my whole heart. <laughs> I sat down this week with a copy of The Sandlot. And, and, I, and I got to watch the movie twice this week. I've never seen this movie before, guys. Oh. Um, I will tell you, I have called Health and Human Resources on my parents. There is an investigation ongoing. Um, I think the fact that they took me to see uh, Return of the Jedi Empire Strikes Back and the original 78 Superman in theater is what's maybe keeping them, uh, you know, out of prison right now. But, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> but I had not, I had missed this movie for somehow. Now, I will tell you, 93 was the year I graduated. Um, and I had a lot of changes in my life. I'd lost some family members graduating high school. So a lot of things happened that year. And I don't know if this just kind of got lost in that shuffle. But I was conflating the quotes everyone was, has been throwing out about this movie. I was kind of conflating bad news bears. And I was also conflating a, a couple scenes I had seen, you know, on TV throughout to fill out this movie in my head. I've never seen this full movie. Guys, I fell in love. I uh, absolutely fell head over heels for this movie. And I will tell you, too, last week we had my son Alton on, and he was not at all enthusiastic about the Sandlot. When this thing was over, he was head over heels in love with it, too. 
uh, my youngest uh, Luke was going bonkers about it. They were they were so jazzed after we watched it. They said that was the best movie ever. Um, so <laughs> I'll tell you guys, this movie has become. And and I don't know if it's just proximity where I'm just now discovering it fully, but this movie is an A plus movie to me. Um, there, All there right. was there was very little, there was very few flaws. They hit the tone of the era. They hit the 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 tone of being a kid, and I, I just I loved it. I laughed. I cried. It moved me, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's the enthusiasm of a recent convert. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I'm up next, um, and I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. Um, now, I was probably I was probably Beanie the Jet's age when I saw this movie for the first time. Um, and so I was right in the wheelhouse, and I loved this movie, and I was terrified it wasn't going to hold up. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I see. I watched it a bunch as a kid. I don't think I've seen it as an adult, and I was afraid. Um, but I had a great time. Now my youngest daughter watched it with me, and um, she clearly wasn't the target audience. She didn't have the fun with it that I was. Um, but I still had a good time. It's very enjoyable. I love the memorable characters and the quotes. Um, I'm kicking out of the Ring of Honor, though, guys. It's an A minus. Um, I do think it has a few flaws, and I just don't, I, I don't adore it the way Dwayne does, apparently. But A minus is still a good grade. Oh yeah. All right, Sammy. All right. You know, this is one of those movies that I went to the theater to see. You know, uh, I graduated in 93 also. Uh, and but this was one that I went to see in the theaters. And I have so many fond memories of it. The characters, the lines, the story. You know, this is such a snapshot into a real idealized moment in American history. Uh, you're looking at the space race starting up with John Glenn and Friendship 7, the mm-hmm. Kennedy administration and Camelot's in full swing. It's all burbs and cul-de-sacs, right? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is just, it's so great. But, you know, I couldn't pull it all the way to an A-plus either because there are a few things to me that that pulled it. So I gave it an A. So now we've got the full range of A. <laughs> so... <laughs> Those are still good grades, though. Yeah, well, I, mean, yeah. I love yeah. this movie. Yeah, but. this is a, a great movie. And, and yeah, uh, A minus A and A plus. You know, I just want to tell my kids, hey, you got an A on that report card? I ain't complaining. A minus, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not complaining there. So this is going all A's. And, you know, and it is, I'm sure, as I revisit this movie in the future, there's going to be things. And I'm sure there's things even right now as we discuss that I'm going to you know, oh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't as great as I might have thought it was or whatever. But like I said, it's kind of the proximity right now and the excitement of, uh, of seeing it for the first time and then just a very short time later enjoying it with, with my kids and, and them discovering it and seeing the joy on their faces. Uh, so, yeah, that you know, it could be the proximity situation there, but this is a, a ton of fun on the screen. So as we're fanning about this movie, guys, let's go ahead and make it official. So here we go. All right, and Dwayne, you are first, man. 
What's your well, favorite thing? Well, I kind of already alluded to it, and as I'm gushing over here, I'm just going to continue. My biggest fan of this movie, they really caught uh, the joy of being a, a, a young boy and adventuring and having friends out in the neighborhood and going on these adventures, having a place to hang. You know, they've got the sandlot, but they've also got the little clubhouse kind of thing off to the corner overlooking the the beast slot, you know, and um, it was so much fun, you know, from the from the moment that they invite Smalls to the lot and he's just so awkward and not fitting in and so down on himself being in a new place uh, you know and, and that was me as a kid I'm not a super athletic person you know uh, I, I, I feel for smalls but you know I love <laughs> hanging with friends and I love playing sports and hanging out and just having a good time and you know then the camp out um, in the uh, in the treehouse when they when they tell the story uh, you know of the dog you know he he killed 120, 173 people. <laughs> it's true, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, just just the exaggeration forever, 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 forever. <laughs> you know, it was so much fun, uh, and you know, the adventures they have and going around to the pool and and that whole scene and just hanging out. It just brought back so much memories of you know going out in the neighborhood on your bike you know going around with friends and just getting into all kinds of fun and that's that's I, kind of fun. it really caught that spirit of adventure yeah i want to throw a little addendum on there i think the thing that this movie does along those veins that i think very few other movies have managed and captured in the same way is that the, like when you were a kid summer was timeless oh yeah yep um and this movie captures that perfectly in a ways I think are just difficult to do. Um, and they nailed it. Like it feels like this, this is one summer that feels like it lasted three years. Yeah. Um, and that's the way summer was when you were a kid. And yeah. I remember, you know, they yeah. waited and there was one night game a year, you know, and, and as you see the fireworks and how magnificent it, it is. It, and you know, this is his memory speaking and you see how magnificent it is there, you know, and how, you know, our memory can be shaded. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, know, that was so much. Go ahead, Sam. What do you, you know, you were talking about childhood. You know, it, it's almost like it's a happy stand by me, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> this is true. This is a happy stand by me. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of along the same lines that Dwayne did. You know, I love the, the kids themselves, but I love the way that this movie captures 1962. You know, I know every generation has its good things and bad things, but this to me historically is an idyllic period of time. When I think of the 60s, I think of the cars, the music, you know, the baseball at the time, you know, you know, the Yankees were starting Mickey and, and Roger Maris and Waddy and Yogi and those types of guys. It was it was that type of era. You know, this it, I talked about Stan Lee, but this was the beginning of the Marvel age. You know, just that year in March, the Fantastic Four got costumes. The Hulk, <laughs> the Hulk debuted probably the same month that Smalls moves into town. But we see no comic books in this movie. But that's okay. You know, but I still, I love it. The fact that, that, that Smalls, you know, Scotty has a picture of Mr. Wizard signed on his bedroom wall. 
Okay. You know, I love that. These kids feel genuine for the time. They play their parts well. And what about a thing you never see anymore, Sam? The erector sets. That's right. Yeah. You got the erector set. I mean, come on. This just captures that time perfectly. Uh, And these kids pull it off well. They feel like they're from this time period. And that's the So do the parents that we never meet. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Smalls. That's the only parents we meet. Just like the Peanuts or anything. We never see adults. (laughs) Well, you go out in the morning. Yeah, you go out in the morning and you come home for dinner. Yeah, that was. That's right. Yep. All right. So for my my fan is, this is probably a real personal one for me. Um, uh, We've mentioned a few times on the show that I'm an aspiring writer. Um, write a lot of fiction in my spare time, although I haven't. Like Dwayne, I'm also considered essential, and I've worked more during this time than I was before. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but as a writer, I, I kind of have a, like a like a an extra eye out for like storytelling, like quirks and storytelling tools that were used. And by the end of this movie, I was blown away by the way this this script used the beast in the in this movie mm-hmm. um, because this movie's very episodic. Um, I mean, things kind of come and go. There's whole set scenes that never come back up. Um, but the beast is kind of lurking in the background from the very first time that a ball gets hit over that fence and it scares poor little Scotty to death, um, to the storytelling in the, uh, tree house all the way through to the big scene at the end. I mean, all the way through. And it's this perfect little storytelling element they've got. It's this lingering threat over the whole thing that keeps reoccurring, um, and then it comes to the climax at the end with the, the big, the big, you know, the big, you know, action scene. And then the twist at the end, it's all just brilliant for storytelling purposes. And so I just, I think it's, I mean, you can quibble about the effects. I mean, <laughs> it looks pretty rough at times. It was the early nineties, but maybe, maybe it's, I mean, it works for the child's imagination. That's what you would picture, but, but it's just such a brilliant storytelling tool that I, I just wanted. I mean, I was kind of blown away. I mean, this is a kid's movie, but that's a genius storytelling device they use in here. So I just wanted to brag on that. Yeah, uh, Jamie, you mentioned the the storytelling thing. You know, I'm I'm a I'm kind of a sucker for any movie that's sort of a noir where you know you have a character telling it. You know, and you have you know as as Scotty as an adult is telling this back, and as I was referring you know to even the fireworks being kind of skewed to to a rose colored memory, so to speak. You know, you would remember back to, oh, this was so massive or this was so horrible. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's exactly that. I mean. How many times as adults, you know, or as we had thought back to our, our elementary or middle schools, and there were just these massive, huge things to us. And then as we become adults and have children and we take them back there, it's just this little tiny building. Yep. And, you know, in the rooms and, oh, oh, the teachers are younger than me now? You know? What's <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I'm an yeah. adult? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Miss Miss Smith was so old, you know, and you, and you find out she was like what twenty seven, <laughs> you know, back when you were back when you were you know six six or eight. Yeah, I had one of those moments a few uh, a few years ago. I went back to my hometown and I drove past the uh, what I thought was this gigantic playground at my elementary school, and I drove back by it and just this tiny little nothing inside this fence, and it's just like wow. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, but, you know, Jamie, I agree. The use of uh, like foreshadowing, stuff like that, just works so well in this movie. And it builds and builds and builds through almost like these little vignettes. Yeah. And that's really what, what kind of leads us. It makes us care about these kids as it works to the final climax. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Dwayne, as you like to say, we're going to throw some pans at it. Let's throw some pans at this thing. <laughs> All right. Okay, um, I'm going to change mine. Um, I had one written down, and as we were talking, I realized there was something that bugged me that just didn't feel right. And I hadn't put my finger on it until Dwayne started talking a few minutes ago. Um, I don't like the framing narrative. Hmm. I, I don't. It bothers me. I don't. I don't. Number one, it's not Vin Scully doing the Dodgers game, and that's just not right. Uh, <laughs> anybody else anything about baseball knows that guy would not be calling that game. Um, yep. uh, I just I don't like the framing. I don't. I don't like the the noirish style of voiceover. I don't like it. Um, and I think that the movie should have ended with um, the reminiscing about um, what happened to everybody, and then maybe just show a picture of a grown up Benny in a Dodgers uniform. And fade out. Like I, I didn't. I, something about it bugged me. I didn't enjoy the framing narrative. Um, I wish it had stayed in 1962 the entire time. Yeah, hmm. that's that's interesting. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, I guess I, I just really enjoy character insight, you know, and into the head and things. Uh, but uh, I could, I could see that, and it would have. Uh, I'm not, you know, you said for anybody who knows anything about baseball, and that's clearly not me. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, I know. There's three strikes and you're out. There's a batter and a catcher. And <laughs> who's who's on first, Sammy? What's on second? I don't know. Who's on third? No. What, 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 I'm trying to find out, what I'm trying to find out is who's on first. <laughs> no, that's I about right, all the though, baseball I know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it is Ben Scully, though, right? It's been the daughters announced for like. 75 years or something, isn't it? Yeah, up until just recently, I think. Yeah. Uh, he finally retired after all these years. So, yeah. All right, well, Dwayne, what's your pan? Did you have any Mr. A-plus zealous <laughs> well, recent convert? There was, there was a couple, of, there was a couple of pans in here, and one of the things that really got me was um, I wish we would have had a little bit more time with uh, James Earl at the end. Um, I would have, I would have liked for his, uh, I, I know he tells the kids what happened, but I, I think that it could have been a little bit more impactful. I think, uh, that if we would have, uh, spent a little bit more time with his character, um, it, it just seemed a little too short for me, uh, which, I mean, you put James Earl Jones in something and I'm that much more of a fan anyway. <laughs> um, I'm surprised he wasn't doing the voiceover. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you've got him on staff, why is he not doing the voiceover? Um, yeah, this one some of these kids was out here <laughs> making a racket. Uh, but no, uh, I, I would have just liked to have expanded upon his history with, uh, with you know George as he calls him, yeah. uh, George Ruth, and uh, his because he alludes to being a better hitter than George, mm -hmm. but he kind of just brushes over that. But yeah, and he, and he had the uh, incident where he was hitting the, hitting the temple with a high fastball and tucked the lights out. You know, blinded. crowd in the plate. <laughs> yeah, and I have a few Astros this year. He he, <laughs> he he exhibited so much joy 
in you know as his he was talking about playing the ball he just i mean he just lit up so much at that point but yeah you know, that really I, made me fall in love with him and i think you do have to wonder if um james or jones baby just loves baseball because he was in field of dreams also so oh. i mean that's you know that's just something maybe that's his deal so yeah yeah quite quite possibly quite possible but that that's really mine if i wish they would have expanded that a little bit more, spend a little I, more I could time. i could use more of that too yeah. Yep. Sam, what you got for us? All right. You know, for me, when I suggested this, you know, I'm always interested in thinking, what, what can we get to the Ring of Honor? You know, and in my head, I'm thinking, this is an A+. Plus. I know this is an A+. Plus. <laughs> but, you know, similar to what Dwayne talked about with Winter Soldier, when you go back a little, maybe a little bit more critically, um, and, and I didn't mark it a B plus. You'll notice, Dwayne. But uh, <laughs> but but you know there was just a little something that that kind of brought it down for me, with the exception of James Earl Jones. There was no twist, no surprises. This plot was trope after trope after trope. Yeah, at every coming of age movie. The new kid in town, the neighborhood fairy legend, yeah. the rival gang, the girl next door, all resulting in the gang coming together for their biggest challenge. Mm. You know, I mean, it is. It's trope after trope. You know, yeah. this movie is a feel-good movie. I love watching it. I will always say it's one of my favorite movies, and there's nothing wrong with that. But to use, I guess, to use the baseball vernacular, this wasn't a Titanic hit by the Sultan of Swat, but it still gets the run in. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I think I needed this because I've been doing the Tarantino retrospective by myself here. And, uh, <laughs> this was a real nice palate cleanser after Hateful Eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- those can get kind of dark. <laughs> those can put you in kind of a dark place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the middle of Jackie Braille right now, so I'm, I'm feeling, I feel good with Sandlot. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jamie, was that when I saw you the other day at the gas station? You were telling the person behind the counter to say what one more time? <laughs> <laughs> say what one more time. Yeah, yeah I set a pistol on the table and started threatening. Um, <laughs> say, but go for it. Uh, all right. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, maybe. We, uh, you may not want me on the Tarantino retrospective episode. Um, we'll see. Um <laughs> <laughs> spoilers, spoilers for down the road. Um, let's give us some awards, guys. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, first award is best performance. Wayne, who you got? I have Hamilton Porter. <laughs> Ham. I will tell you, I know this guy personally. <laughs> not the actor, not the person in the movie, but one of my friends as as a as a middling teenager, young adult, uh, is is Ham. Spot on actions never shuts up always talking smack bigger guy thinks he's sexy <laughs> beautiful beautiful friend and joe if you're listening i love you with my whole heart 
that ham lit me up in this movie and his performance, his insults, his, you know, his just behind the plate. <laughs> three pitches, three strikes. Three pitches, three strikes. <laughs> you know, hurry, you know, hurry up. I got to get home by lunch. You know, <laughs> I mean, He's just constantly talking smack, and he's always, you know, it's it's a s'more. You, you want a s'more? What's a? You know, I, I, how can I have a s'more? I haven't had anything. No, a s'more. S'more smalls. Look at me. You take the gram. You take the chunk. You put it on the gram. You roast the mallow. So I loved his performance through this movie. Yeah, he just was a ton of fun. Well, he's going to come up again later, but I didn't oh, pick I'm him sure. for best performance. Um, I picked a, I'm not saying this guy's name right, I'm sure, Tom Guiry? Weary? I'm not sure. The guy that played Scotty Smalls. Um, mm-hmm. No, this guy absolutely nails childhood insecurity. He um, does. And, and I know what that feels like. Um, I had very severe childhood asthma. Um, and it didn't go away until I was probably 12 or 13, but I was rabidly obsessed with sports and could not play them. Um, and so I was that kid that went to the baseball field or the basketball court and Mm -hmm. didn't know how to shoot the jump shot, you know, didn't know how to do the thing and the insecurity and the fear and the embarrassment of not knowing how to do the thing that all the other boys know how to do this kid absolutely nails perfectly where's yeah yeah it's on his face it's in his even his mannerisms because you can know you can tell later on like he knows how to throw a ball he, he does it within seconds of not knowing how to throw a ball so he but he but he they clearly like you see his discomfort and his fear and the anxiety and I'm like, man, I know what that feels like. And this yeah. kid is putting it all in front of the camera. Yeah, I was yeah really his crazy. growth. Yeah, his growth as a character from not being able to throw, not being able to catch to you know hitting his first home run. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, is a, is a great journey. He he, I think that probably is the right answer. You know, I'm I'm totally with Jamie on this. Uh, that's you know, um, Tom. I wasn't sure how to say his last name either. Geary, Gary, <laughs> Smalls. Um, you know, I get him as a kid. You know, I was extremely shy when I was young. Really had a hard time making friends. Um, I was a lot like Smalls in that case. I spent more time reading comics and drawing than ever worrying about sports. The mm-hmm. only time I worried about baseball at this time was when WGN, the Cubs game, went too long and it cut into my cartoons. Okay? <laughs> so that, that's yeah. the baseball I got at this time period, right? I had the cheap mitts. I even went out for the baseball team one time. And here I go trucking on the field with this cheap mitt. So uh, <laughs> I just feel for this kid. Uh, I'm probably the only uh, kid that ever got cut from Little League. So. <laughs> 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 you know, oh, that's great. I get it. But uh, yeah, you had to buy his performance for this movie yeah. to work. So yeah, yeah but I, Scotty Smalls is definitely my performance. Yeah, I think you guys have the right answer. I just loved him, and because he reminded me of my friend, I think that was what yeah. really stuck him in my heart. Well, Jamie, you had alluded earlier that this is kind of a skittish movie. You know, it seems like a bunch of scenes put together, a bunch of little uh, adventures there. So why don't you go first with best scene? 
Uh, yeah, it does kind of feel that way. Like, I can see, like, you know, Sammy doing his, like, 50s voiceover voice and doing, like, you know, as a serial-style thing. I mean, you could almost do that with this movie and just pull it apart. Um, but I think the best scene in the movie is the chase at the end. From the time that Benny jumps the fence and is over there with the beast to all they run through the picnic, the barbecue stuff, all the crazy chase, the ki- other kids taking the shortcut, the whole thing. I, I mean, it's just I'm smiling ear to ear that entire scene. I think that's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. All right. You know, uh, I'm going to tack on to that because, you know, I love that scene. But specifically what I love is the juxtaposition of the chase with the wolf man. <laughs> I am a, you know, I, growing up, I was a huge fan of black and white universal monster movies. And the wolf man has always been one of my favorites. And about 62 is when you see that revitalization of the old thirties and forties monsters again. And so to juxtapose that with a Maliva the Gypsy explaining the curse to Larry Talbot with the, you know, the beast Hercules chasing Benny. I just thought that it was just so great. That that hit every note for me and every little thing that I that I love about movies. So my yeah. best thing definitely tacks on to what Jamie said. Well, I'm going to continue uh, nailing there with uh, with the things that we have. And I'm going to go a little bit further back and when they're starting to retrieve the Babe Ruth ball. And all of the crazy ideas. All of the crazy ideas <laughs> yeah. that they have. They, they they start off with the broomstick. And then it goes to the then it goes to the erector set with the with a pot on the end. And then it goes to the you know, you have the you know vacuum cleaner situation. Oh, the Electrolux vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so you, you've got the three, uh, you know, pull around the house vacuum cleaners that, that uh, I think every one of us had vacuumed with at our grandmother's house. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, starting suction number one. <laughs> number two. <laughs> yeah. And then every time the beast foils them, they're just screaming, <laughs> you know, at the sheer terror every time. And I could see the director, okay, now you're really scared. <laughs> no, and I'm sure they probably just had one full day of them like falling back from the fence or down from the clubhouse and screaming, you know. <laughs> and the look on the kids' faces, that was so much fun. You know, and then, uh, you know, and then the uh, you have the kids, you know, being lowered over the other end. Pull me out, pull me out. <laughs> that that was such a joy. That was such a joy. There's so many scenes in this that are great, but that one, uh, I was on the floor, you yep. know, legs slapping, laughing. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. our next award is best character. Uh, Sammy, who you got? All right, guys. This would this could be tough because there's a lot of good characters in this. Uh, this is a good character piece, but I went with um, Kendra's favorite character. Michael Squints Palidorus. This little guy is just all glasses and attitude. That's just that's the best way to describe him. From his antics at the pool with the peppercorn to the zinger one-liners, you know. <laughs> and once again, it's another guy's name, actor's name, I'm not sure, Chauncey Leopardi. Yeah, uh, 
it's just he did so well with this and when he's chattering his teeth are chattering and he's on the the diving board and and then after yeah i played i played all that <laughs> she, you know? she knows exactly what she's doing <laughs> I just, I mean, Spence was was that kid and you know uh Dwayne, you know, I had a friend very similar to Squints growing up myself. So, so you had him, I had Squints. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, Sam, I've got to jump right on there with you. Squints was my favorite character in here. And, and I identified him so much. Being a little guy with big glasses and being a little guy with big glasses, you've got to bring the attitude or you're <laughs> going to get run over. So, you know, he, he had it. He owned it. Um, I loved his his uh, portrayal, you know, from the telling of the story to, you know, and he would clean his glasses on his shirt you know, constantly. <laughs> and, I love uh, that little take he did. Yeah, I love this kid. And like I said, he kind of kind of put me in mind of me and my son, you know, just just little guy with big glasses and a lot of attitude. And uh, yeah, he he just struck me as 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 the best character in here. I thought he, he was. I hope, so I hope you grew into those teeth, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we find out, you know, as we find out, you know, the stunt he pulled at the pool, as we find out, you know, he he got to marry uh, Wendy. Nine kids. Yes. Nine kids and they caught the drugstore. So yeah, he he apparently grew into something. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm gonna pick up uh, Dwayne's best performance for mine. I love him. I love that kid so much. <laughs> Everything that comes out of his face is gold. Um, I love when he starts insulting you know, the, the, the pompous kids from across town. I love his chatter as the catcher. It's perfect. I played one year of Little League. I was terrible. Our catcher was our best player, and he did the same garbage <laughs> behind the plate. I mean, the same kind of nonsense. Uh, and it's perfect. He's absolutely perfect at this role, and I just love him. And uh, he may come back up again later. Uh, oh yeah, how can he not? You know, yeah, how but can I love he him. not with with like you said with everything that he does and everything that comes out of his mouth, which brings us to best quote. So I'm going to lead off here with best quote. Uh, there are so many in this movie, and I know we have the one, but I'm going to go with yeah, yeah. When they're retrieving the ball, and he says, it's my fault. We need the element of surprise. We have to go airborne. (laughs) (laughs) It's just his his demeanor and his seriousness. And they're all like, yeah, why didn't we think of that? Is it, this is that childlike gravity that they say, yeah. they say ridiculous things, but they're so serious. And he's so, yeah. he's so intense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my fault. I should have done this sooner. We need to go. We need the element of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be Captain Obvious and jump in with, with, the, with the one that everybody knows. Um, you're killing me, Smalls. That's right. <laughs> um, I say that to my children. Um, it's at least once a week. It's probably daily. <laughs> anytime they do something that's just out of the way or ridiculous, that's what comes out of my face. Those four words. You're killing me, Smalls. I use it in my classroom a lot, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, with my quote, though, I, I had to go back to Squints. 
All right. There were some great squints quotes in here. Um, but one of my favorite is when Quince looks at Benny and says, why did you bring him? This guy's an L7 weenie. <laughs> <laughs> and he does the L and the 7 <laughs> to make the square. Uh, that that just cracks me up every time. Is it me? Yes, but it still cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's boys, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which, which, speaking of which, we're already heading toward the next award there. So I think Sam may have cheated and pulled out an extra one on our next award. Um, so we've got now the the every week ones. You know, the, the four we do every time. Then we've got the episode specifics. And the first one is best insult. And there's plenty. <laughs> yes. Well, since Sam cheated, why don't you go ahead and go first with your other best insult? <laughs> uh, my other best insult, though, honestly, my other, the, the best insult, though, comes down to Ham. Uh, Jamie, you, I have exactly, I want to read, pick a line from Hamilton Porter and you have comedic gold. That's exactly <laughs> what I have in my notes, okay? <laughs> His trash talk while playing backstop is just great. <laughs> Uh, my favorite one, though, is if my dog was ugly as you, I'd shake his butt and teach him to walk backwards. Yes. That is my favorite one. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Jamie, what do you have? Well, I've got another ham line, and it's not, one, it's not the best one. It's just it's the most boy thing that's said in this movie. He calls a kid a fart sniffer. <laughs> the most little boy thing that's said in this entire movie. It's just, I don't, I don't know why, but it makes me feel like I'm 12 again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know if this is the best insult, but this was the one that I'm gonna gonna go with here was the one that got the most reaction at my house. Now I have a a, a female middle school, uh, soon to be high school softball player in here. So this is another ham line when uh, they're, they're trading the insults with the, uh, with the other team, which apparently is the best insult uh, section in the movie. Cause that's where all of these have come from. Uh, but when he looks at the other team and at the end, he says, you play like a girl. <laughs> My daughter was like, really now I'll show you. <laughs> She's like, I'll show you how girls play. But that was that was something that was so much, uh, you know, she's like, I don't know if I should be offended or impressed, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, brings us to our next award. Uh, Jamie, uh, you were talking about uh, the worst boys moment. The boys at the yeah. worst. So let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah, this is a little bit, a little bit of, of a preface for this one. Um, so I watched this movie with my youngest daughter and. We've got a section on the living room. I was sitting on one corner. She was sitting on the other. So we're like a slightly different angles facing the TV. And every few minutes or so, one of these boys would do something that only a young boy would do. And my daughter would turn to me and make this face at me. Like, I mean, to, to, to describe her face was basically like boys are the worst. Just boys are just the worst. And she made that face probably 25 times. And she kept looking over at me. And about the fifth time, she was like, this needs to be an award. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so Jamie, I will, award. I will help you out here. Your daughter is just has the cutest little cartoon character face. <laughs> She's so animated. <laughs> uh, I love it. And I could, I could picture her just like with disgust, like, really, boys? Ew. 
<laughs> yes. And so, like I said, about the fifth time, um, she looked over at me like, we need to talk about this. This has to be an award. And so I'm going with the, I'm basing this purely on her face. This is the one where she made the absolute worst face. And it was when Squints was ogling Wendy Peppercorn in the street. <sighs> and, it's, and it's after the second shot when Squints is staring at her bottom. The face my daughter made to me is like, boys just shouldn't exist. They're just the worst. And so I'm giving that that boys are just the worst moment. All right. Um, you know, I think it's similar to, to you, Jamie. I, I went to Kendra. You know, I don't ha have a daughter, but, you know, I went to my girlfriend and said, okay, even though you love this movie, what is your moment that you're like, oh, my gosh, boys are just so broke. <laughs> um, and th she goes at the fair. So when they're at the fair and they're chewing the chewing tobacco <laughs> and they get on the spin ride. Now, <laughs> I can't get on the spin ride, any spin ride after eating anything or I'm going to throw up. But <laughs> the level of projectile vomiting. <laughs> but it wasn't even that. It was Ham getting off the ride, covered in his own vomit, does a wet belch. And then the better. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's boys for you. <laughs> yep. Yep, that was that was a good one. Um, I, I, mine's sort of similar, uh, but it's uh, when, um, you know, Benny is introducing Smalls to the guys. And each one of them, after their introduction of themselves, you know, hawks and spits a loogie on the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, this is just a guy thing. And, and you know, and it's so not a thing anymore, you know, with, no. with all of the, the, the stuff. And, and even years ago, you know, aside from this viral stuff we're contending with now, but even years ago, you know, spitting, you know, was a thing as we were kids, you know, it was like, you know, it's just cool. But uh, yeah, that got me. And I was like, oh, this is a, such an era movie and this is so telling of that era yep. and uh, yeah that the spitting intro is what i call it the spitting intro <laughs> love it <laughs> yep well you know a thing that's not a boys at their worst boys at their best possibly i don't know he's kind of shady as uh, as ted kind of clueless there but our keanu always brings joy and laughter and goodness, wherever he goes. So, Jamie, in this wonderful, fun, heartfelt movie, how does Keanu connect? There are no John Wick moments. We do have a dog. <laughs> you know, the dog was hurt, but there's no John Wick moments. Well, how, how does Keanu come to this movie? Well, I almost despaired. Uh, <laughs> I bet. I got, nobody in this movie has been in anything else. <laughs> I got way down the cast list and gave up and went started going down the crew. Um <laughs> It, but after giving up on the crew after who knows how long that took, <laughs> I went back to the to the to the actors, and I went all the way down the line. And there is an actor in this movie who has co-starred with Keanu, so we're we're, we're safe. Oh, so there one, is, one right. connection. There is one. Yes, um, there is an actor in this movie who has an absolutely insane filmography. He was in Speed Racer, The Santa Claus. The I didn't know it existed Ace Ventura prequel. Um, 
But more than anything, he's just one of those, hey, I know that guy guys. He's also played a Yankee before. In another tangential baseball movie as Chick Gandal in Field of Dreams. But most importantly for our purposes, Art LaFleur, who played the ghostly great Bambino, the spectral Sultan of Swat, played Baines in The Replacements with our beloved Keanu. And that's our Keanu connection. Uh, hey, well, that's very interesting. Uh, he was in the movie for just about a half a minute. Um, now, if you look this up. But now he was like, was was he a thing in the late eighties, early nineties? Because he was like top billing on the credits, wasn't he? Art Lafleur, he was he like was. top billing. So was was he a big really? Deal? He's not. IMDb doesn't think so. He was way at the back of the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's top billing in the movie when it comes on. He's wow. he's the first name. Yeah, I noticed that also. Yeah, and I'm like, well, he's like in there for like a hot half a minute. And it was the first name that you see there. Wow. Yeah, well, that's it. that's great. So that was our Keanu connection. Art LaFleur, Babe Ruth. I think you played one of the coaches, I think, in, in, in The Replacements. I don't remember like, who he was in that movie, but he's, mm-hmm. on the, he's on the filmography, so it counts. Well, he must have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but he he's got one of those amazing. faces, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I seen him, I'm like, he's been in something else, but I don't know what. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. He's one of those one of those guys. So, uh, speaking of you know being in some stuff, but you don't know what, a movie that uh, kind of came out and uh, brought some nostalgia to the '80s, uh, back uh, sort of a uh, him or you know talked about as a E.T. meets Close Encounters meets I don't know what, a J.J. Abrams <laughs> production. Super 8. Guys, um, uh, this was my choice. I know we've had to shuffle around a lot with not a lot of news happening. We've had to bring some more episodes in. So this is one of our, our later editions that we've talked about. Um, I'm really excited to watch this. I've never seen this movie, but I've always heard good things. And I'm, I'm kind of a J.J. fan. So, so, yeah, so we're going back to either. back. Dwayne hasn't seen them. So. I haven't seen Super 8 either. Ah, okay. So, so I'm the only one in the crew that's seen it. Then, awesome. So, so this is going to be like a reverse. uh, This going to be like a reverse Firefly, where we both. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Seriously, yes, finally. (laughs) Yeah, this was one of those that came came out while I was doing like you know college and stuff, and like especially during graduate school, I I didn't see any movies for about four years. Well, <laughs> I mean, nothing. Everything got by me. So this is like this whole big black hole of popular culture that I've just it got by me. So. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pumped. To say, I've always wanted to watch. It. I've never seen it. So I'm, I'm glad you chose it. Well, what kind, what kind of same here? I've always wanted to watch it. And this uh, afforded us the opportunity. So, uh, guys, next time, uh, you know, you have uh, some free moments with your quarantine. Uh, it is available on Prime Video. So check out Super 8. And until we meet again, stay safe and keep it nerdy.